So we come to a wonderful, gorgeous story, fantastic and huge. It's Mark. It's in Mark 5, 22 through 43. We, we miss, we take out a little bit. Last week we preached on the middle of that, uh, the, the healing within the healing last week. But this we're going to look at the overarching healing. Uh, Talitha kumi, famous words. That's Aramaic, actually. Uh, probably the language that Jesus was normally speaking with people. And uh, it's recorded here from eyewitnesses, that those are the exact words he said, uh, uh, gorgeous words. Ta- Talitha means uh, young, young girl, kumi, arise, it's a command. Uh, it's this glorious healing, actually goes beyond healing, it's the raising of a dead girl, she's dead, and Jesus <laughs> brings her back to life with an amazing display of unlimited power. Uh, this is God, this is our God. That's whom we come to worship today, our God. So uh, I'd like to read it, and then we'll work through it t- together. Uh, in Again, in Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 22, we'll just take out the big, wonderful inter- uh, interruption uh, that we ran into last week. Let me read it through without a lot of uh, uh, stopping. Before I do that, let me stop. <laughs> it's, it's kind of cool to uh, bring in the context. Remember, uh, he had, the day before, day and a half before, he had put them, he says, uh, verse 35 of chapter 4, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat. They took him with him, with them in the boat. Jesus is uh, completely fatigued. He's like a rag. Uh, They're carrying him on, setting him on the boat. Uh, Jesus is so human. He's fully human. He's uh, not Superman here. He's a regular man. They took him with them in the boat just as he was, and the other boats were with him. There's still a crowd of little boats, and they take off in their little boat. And then the great storm arrives, and he's sleeping in the back. And he, then he then he displays his fully God command. He says, "Peace, be still." Which uh, you know, the actual language is, "Be quiet, be quiet." Imagine the raging storm, and whoosh, whoosh, a great calm ensued. This is power. This is the power of God. Uh, Fully human, fully God. The Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness. Uh, And we enter into that mystery between the full, he became full human and yet fully God. And and we see his glorious power. So what they're doing though is they're going from the crowded side of the lake, which is the western side, they go across the Sea of Galilee to the eastern side, which is way, way less populated. It's um, if if you love the Sierras, which you know, who doesn't? <laughs> you know that the western side gets most of the rain, right? 
And you go over to the eastern side, it's dry and barren. You get into this, there's a horrible place over there called Nevada. <laughs> I just don't recommend it. <laughs> Nevada is a desert. It really is a desert. Uh, it's the most urban state in the, in the, in the United States. You can't live in the rural sections. <laughs> you live in uh, the, the cities. Well, it's like that in, in Palestine as well. The, the western side of things gets most of the precipitation. Eastern side gets way less and is drier and desertery. And you can't even get through that way. You, don't, you go north, right? You go up and around the Fertile Crescent. But the, so the idea here is he's going to get away from the people. And go get some uh, quiet uh, over there. But of course, God has a different plan. He meets this, the man with legion, uh, the, the, in the Gerasenes, sometimes called the Gadarene, the demon-possessed man. And there's a whole, and this is the less, let's see, what's the right way to say this? Fewer Jews are on the east side. That might explain why there's a herd of swine there. You know, a herd of swine doesn't make a lot of sense in in, in Israel. <laughs> you, you, excuse me, you can't raise those here. You know, we can't eat them, we can't touch them, get them out of here. Uh, but they're in the east. Things are crazy out east. Um, anyway, th- so they're there, and they go through this amazing event, and th- now they're coming back. They've come back. They cross back again. You see, that's where we are today. So he's coming back to the crowd. And, and what, as it turns out, just think of this, a little foreshadowing here. There is a man, very significant man in the community. He's called a leader of the synagogue. His name is Jairus. And his, while Jesus was on the wrong side of the lake, destroying, a, was it a thousand pigs? I think it's a thousand. Eugene? How many pigs? A lot of pigs. <laughs> 2,000 pigs. 2,000, you know, that's two times four. How many pigs' feet is that? It's a lot of, you know, a lot of swine. He's to, you know, you're over there doing that, and my daughter's really, really, really sick, and I can't wait till you get back. And finally, he comes back. And so the emotions in this text are palpable and big. And I hope that you and I can feel some of those emotions. So verse 21 of chapter 5. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, now he's back on the west side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. That's the the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee, very big freshwater lake. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And then we have this interruption of this woman who grabs his garment and 
Jesus feels the power going out of him. He turns around. Who knows how long he's looking for. It may not have lasted a whole long time. Maybe it was only 15 minutes. Maybe it was 30 minutes. Maybe it was a longer time. I don't know how long this took. But it's a very inconvenient delay for Jairus. Because, look as we skip down to verse 35. So while he was still speaking, Jesus is just saying to this woman, by the way, daughter, hmm, connection, could be, daughter, your faith has saved you, made you well, sozo, go in peace and be healed of your curse. Remember I talked about that last week. The word for disease I, I, I love English. I, I, you know, I was born speaking it, but we have this nasty propensity, propensity for mispronouncing things. No, we have a nasty propensity for using euphemisms. Like we say, somebody passed away. Or they say, we, they went to a better place. Excuse me, they died. Let's just be honest here. They're dead. Okay, that's okay. I'm a thanatologist, but just a, uh, <laughs> an amateur thanatologist. Um, and this is the case there. Disease, I mean, what's the opposite of, of being at ease? It's being at attention. You're at ease or you're at attention, I think. Forgive me. Is that, that's kind of true, right? Military guys? Yeah, yeah. Disease, the opposite is being uh, at ease. Anyway, I'm just arguing with the words because the Greek word is the word for whip. Her, her scourge. I mean, this lady wasn't casually suffering. <laughs> Let's get away from casual suffering. Oh, come on, it's just a disease. No, I'm suffering. Would you, would you be of the same mind with me while I'm suffering? Would you quit walking in my room and trying to cheer me up? You know, grieve with those who grieve. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't get it mixed up. <laughs> we always get it mixed up. Somebody's grieving, let's go in and try to make them happy. <laughs> no, 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 no. You go in and you grieve with those who grieve. Uh, anyway, so she's healed of her disease. It's a strong word. So while he's speaking, verse 35. There came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Pretty discouraging. Mm. You're on the wrong side of the lake. And then you stopped. I mean, that woman was, you know, she'd been sick for 12 years. I have a 12-year-old daughter who's dying. You could have said, I'll get back to you. But, the light here is verse 36, right? But, but, but God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. But God. That's the gospel. You're hopeless. You're dead. But God, but God raised us with Christ. 
But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, notice how that's repetitive, right? Let's get this out there. This guy is a really big wig. He's a part of the group that hate Jesus. He's a part of the group that hates Jesus. He's a part of the group that's already organizing to kill him, but he's a man of faith. He said to the ruler of the synagogue, two commands. Do not fear. Only believe. Greek word is manas. Only believe. You know, don't give. There's no yin-yang here. Part fear, part faith. He says, let's have one white circle. <laughs> That's our goal. Only believe. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Do not fear. Only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John. That's Jesus trimming down the group to the inner three, the same guys that will be at the transfiguration when Jesus started to glow and they saw his glory, the same guys that will be selected at, in the Garden of Gethsemane to go and be closer to him as he prays. I'm not sure why, to be honest with you, but it's in God's sovereign will. Some are closer. Some receive better revelation than others. He's sovereign. Verse 38. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. It's well known that these are probably actually professional mourners. This... Jairus is a very wealthy man, and as soon as his daughter died, it, it, you know the, the mourners come in. They're good at this. What's that, that sound? Uvulating? That, am I saying that right? You ever heard that? Ever heard that? I did a wedding for some uh, some people. <laughs> I don't know who they were, to be honest with you. It was out on a golf course out here in Monterey. And right in the middle of the wedding, some lady, third row back, started doing that. It was like, you know, like, it was a show of like super happiness for her, uh, rejoicing in the wedding. It was like, okay, I'm glad you came. I said, I agree with that sentiment. Um, but they would do this for, for grief as well. It's a big, huge, loud commotion uh, going on there, wailing loudly. I thought I heard some loud wailing. <laughs> and when he entered, this, this is awesome here, look at this. Man. When he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. <laughs> they knew for sure this girl was dead. They, they weren't fools. They could tell a dead body. You could, you know, she's dead. She's not breathing. She's been dead for a long time now. I mean, probably a few hours. And, and Jesus says, in, in, in my world, it's just sleep. We sleep in Jesus. Because you're going to wake up again. Verse 40, 
And they laughed at him. <laughs> and he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother. Oh, we never heard her or her before. And those who were with him, that's Peter, James, and John, and went in where the child was, taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. It's a command. Get up. Arise. And immediately, Mark's, one of Mark's favorite words, immediately the girl got up and began, began walking, for she was 12 years of age. This is a big girl. She's 12. That's, you know, she walks because she's 12. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. It's a very emotional passage, very intense. I'm sorry I'm not reading it intensely enough. Uh, we'll try another time. And, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this. How are you going to keep a lid on that? Okay, tough one to do. No one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. <laughs> Little girl's 12 years old. She's been dead. She's hungry. You know, give her something to eat. Prove she was alive and to strengthen her. Let's, let's pray. Father, in your kindness, open up our calloused hearts to your great gospel truth. Thank you for the power of Jesus. We, we believe, oh Lord. Help us to hear his word. Do not fear, only believe. Oh Father, we know there's delays. Help us to believe through those delays. In the name of Jesus, we always pray, amen. Okay, so there's a lot in here, and I'm, I'm trying to kind of focus on a few things with us together. First of all, this is a very beautiful story of, of, of fatherly love. Uh, I have a you know, representative picture of, of that, perhaps. Uh, God is love. This is a beautiful story about, you know, Jairus who loves his daughter intensely. He's willing, you know, let me sum it up. If you love your children, bring Jesus to them, right? That's what he's doing here. She's so sick, he, she can't go to Jesus. She, Jesus comes to her, but he seeks out Jesus. And again, you have to sense the, uh, the boldness here. He said, who is he? He was, what, what was his job? He was a trash collector, right? Uh, thank you. Ruler of the synagogue. He had a very high position in society. People looked up to him. What's Jairus going to do? What, you know, what is, what's he up to? They watched him, and it's very dangerous. Jesus is already controversial. And it's, it's not too long until he'll be crucified. And like I said, the, the ilk of Jairus will be organizing him to be crucified. So he seeks out Jesus. He's, and he, and look, look how he greets him. You know, us and our, like Pat said, you know, we're the people, don't tread on me. You know, <laughs> oh, we quake for no man. Well, he quakes. He, he falls at the feet of Jesus 
Again, the language is pulsating with feeling. And seeing him, he fell at his feet. He's, he's prostrating himself in front of this itinerant preacher, healer, who is Jesus. Why? Because he knows that he is God. He you fall at the feet of God. If you're a Hebrew, how many, how many entities are you allowed to worship? One. You worship God and God alone. Hallelujah. That's fantastic. It's so freeing. Uh, Shema, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he is falling at the feet of Jesus, imploring him. See verse 23. And he implored him earnestly. So it wasn't casual. He's very intense. He fell at his feet. He's humble here. He's risking it all. He implores Jesus earnestly. And he asks in strong faith. He says, look, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be, and this is awesome, she may be made well. That's, that's the same verb, sozo, but the profound majority of it means she'll be saved. But in these contexts, it clearly means delivered from illness. I'm not saying it doesn't mean that. But it awful, always brings in a little bit of that salvation of being saved from our sin as well. She'll be saved and she'll live. <laughs> I want my daughter to live. I don't want her to stop here and I don't want her to be uh, you know, healed and then partially exist. I want her to be uh, back to her normal self. That's my desire. And as I say, fathers, this, is a, this isn't probably the point of this text, but it is a great illustration of a father who loves his kids. What's, what's the biggest problem in our culture? Uh, a lot of fathers don't love their kids. If you look at, look at the very tail end, right, of the book of Malachi, the book of Malachi, which is the very end. You know where I'm going if you're a Bible student. I'm going to just before Matthew. <laughs> and what does it say? What is it? the very, very, very last words of the Old Testament? It has to do with how fathers love their kids and how much respect their kids have for their fathers. Speaking of Elijah the prophet, which was uh, personed by John the Baptist, he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. There's probably also future fulfillments in there too. Um, but anyway, some of it has been fulfilled. And what will Elijah do? And he will turn the hearts of, of fathers to their children. See, we're so broken as human beings. We have children, and we turn our hearts away from them. We're, we're so broken, we're just self-centered individuals who consume our lives and ourselves on ourselves. And, and it takes a miracle of the Holy Spirit to turn our hearts to, of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to the fathers. And then it says, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So again, this text, this is not a Father's Day sermon, but it would have been a good one, you know, <laughs> because here's Jairus living it out for us. Love your kids. Bring Jesus to them if you can't bring them to Jesus. 
And it's through prayer. He's earnestly praying to Jesus. He's not afraid to be seen in public as worshiping, falling at the feet of Jesus. His pride doesn't matter compared to his love for his daughter and his faith in Jesus. His pride doesn't matter. Through prayer, humility, bring your children to Jesus, bring Jesus to your children through teaching and through action. Look with me at Psalm number 103. And all fathers make blow this. We all blow it. Uh, oftentimes, all the time, we, we have a big emphasis on repentance. And this is the day the Lord has made that we will rejoice and be glad. And I'm so thankful that today's a new day. It's the first day of the week. Let us recommit ourselves to sanctification, growing, and, and the forgiveness of sins. Let's wash and be cleaned and change and grow. Who is God? Look at Psalm 103. Uh, we'll pick it up in verse 8. The Lord, that's Yahweh, Yahweh is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So dad, how are we teaching our kids theology about who God is when we're so quick to fly off the handle? We're just, we, they know us as that guy who yells at them. There's, there's, that's so broken. That's really self-centered. And, and we need to repent of that because that's not who God is. God is abounding in steadfast love. God is love. He will not always chide. This is a problem for me. I always want to chide. It's like, and by the way, change your ways. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Uh, gets close to home. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. This is Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us as a father shows compassion, that's Jairus. As a father shows compassion to his children. L listen to the word of God. So the Lord, Yahweh, shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. It, it's actually really interesting to me. yes. We are to be fathers, the leader of the house and the disciplinarians. You know, God forgive me, I wasn't really good at that either. <laughs> um, but what does the New Testament say? It says, says twice, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to, to anger. You know, watch out be, by, about being overbearing. Uh, don't be overbearing. You could also provoke them to anger by abandoning them. That would be a pretty sufficient way of provoking them to anger. But he's talking about fathers in the house being overbearing and not compassionate and not forgiving. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then Colossians, very similar. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So I just want to hold up Jairus for a minute and say, look, he's teaching us that God is love. He loves his daughter so much. He wasn't 
you know, cold. He didn't say, well, that's a woman's work. Well, if you think you should go get Jesus, you go get him yourself. Uh, no, he, he, he went out there and he risked it, risked it all because he loved his 12-year-old daughter. You know, that's God's love. But expect delays. You know, faith is put to the test. As I read it in the context I tried to show you, you know, imagine this. Jesus is over dealing with one guy who's been a demon for a long time, you know, he wastes time over there with 2,000 pigs. You know, I don't think Jairus thought all these things necessarily, but you can think through the delays. It's similar to the healing of Lazarus, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Jesus heard that he was sick, waited two more days, and then took the trip. And Lazarus, by that time, had been dead four days. And what do the sisters say, right? Both of them. Lord, what? If you had been here, he would have been healed. And, and it's a very similar situation. Lord, why do you delay? Why? What, what are you doing? Why, why don't you answer our prayer now? And, and there's many delays. And we're going to actually think about this a little bit later, too. Um, <clears throat> but I want to point out this beautiful command. I, I mentioned it when I read. You know, Do not fear. You know, the enemy wants you to give in to fear. Wants you to give in to panic. Uh, panic is not our friend. Panic does not help you. I'm, I'm sure that you. I look at a lot of advanced soldiers of, of, you know, students of warfare, and I, I feel humbled in your presence, but we all know that on a battlefield, panic is not your friend. You don't, that's not what you want to do. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to huddle down and think through this thing, you know, think of options and bring all the things into play and figure out what you're going to do. Uh, you don't run uh, away. And so Je that's what Jesus says. It's, it's a command. Don't fear. You know, don't fear, Jairus. Don't listen to the popular opinion. <laughs> the, the, the strong popular opinion there that there is no hope. Uh, no, you don't give in to fear. And then, as I said, as I read it, it's only believe. The Greek word is manas. The one thing I want you to do is believe. Trust me through this difficult thing. Trust me through the delays. I've got a sovereign plan for all of this, and the outcome is going to be fantastic. Um, sometimes, I think a lot of times for us, between the promise and the fulfillment, there's a very long time period. Uh, for Jairus, it's not even that long. Uh, he's blessed in that way. Jesus challenges Jairus to faith. May fabu, don't fear. Manan pestue, believe, only believe. And look at the layers here too. I have a picture of Monet. This is Monet, it's called Sunrise. My idea here is that trust, even in the impressionistic watercolor reality of our lives, you know, if you're going through a museum of art, sometimes you'll see an artwork like this. By the way, I was going to say something, you know, we know what suffering is. We have 
lines on our projector this morning, you know? <laughs> it's such a first world problem, you know? <laughs> we don't know why they're there, but they're there. But it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, there's a lot of watercolor impressionism here in this story of Jairus. Why, Lord? Why were you delayed? What's happening? I can't see what you're doing. I hear your voice, which says, don't fear, only believe. And I want to believe with all my heart. Uh, but Lord, I need your help. And moving through part of this watercolor is, Jesus puts himself in the place of ridicule, doesn't he? He tells the, the crowd, hey, why are you mourning? Why are you wailing? She's not dead, she's only asleep. And they laugh at him. He put himself in that position of ridicule. He didn't have to do that. He did that for us. And that's the popular opinion. Uh, you can easily find people who will mock the Christian faith, who will laugh at you for believing that Jesus it was a human being. They'll let you believe that. But to believe that he's the eternal creator God as well, who came to the earth, he's fully man, fully God, and yes, he is quite capable of raising a dead girl at his will. That's how powerful he is. He's the God of all power. Almighty God, it's easy to find somebody who will ridicule you and laugh at you for that. Uh, and Jesus puts himself in that position of ridicule. But notice the, the text here. Again, go back to the text. It says, um, he says to them, let's see, verse 39, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Almost it's an accidental English poem there, but it's kind of poetic. The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But I love this next part. Here's this big crowd. Of prof They're getting paid to cry. This is their gig. They don't want to leave. <laughs> if they leave, they might not get paid, right? And, and they're aggressive, and they're laughing at Jesus. Uh, Jesus doesn't seem to have a lot of power in this situation. But somehow, he put them all outside. You, you try that. You just you know, have a big party at your house and just try to get everybody's attention. You know, stop, stop, stop. We're going to have a word of prayer. No, 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 really. We want to pray now. You, know, you have to you know, be huge and be loud and be powerful, don't you? How does Jesus get them out of there? He puts himself in this position of ridicule all to make it the contrast even sharper, I believe, that he, he majestically is in control. He's the majesty. He's the king. He's in control. He's in control of his reactions. He doesn't defend himself against people who are laughing at him. I, I probably would. I'd probably start, try to start an argument with these people. <laughs> you know, that's how dumb I am. Uh, but he is in control of his actions, and he's in control of everything else. This is our God. Hallelujah. And he's able just to get them all out of the house. And it's interesting, and we're going to open that up later, that he's, he's lowering the uh, number of people who will see the miracle. They're not going to see the miracle. He put them all outside, and then he takes the, the verse 40, takes the child's father and mother, and those who were with him and went in to where 
the child was. And here's this beautiful moment of mom and dad and Peter, James, and John in this side room. And by the way, this is actually uh, interesting historically because this shows how rich he was. He had a multi-room home. He had a, a side room where the little girl was, and he brings them in there. This, it's a very tender moment, a very sweet moment. Um, and, and it says he touches her. You know, you don't, as a Jew, you don't touch dead bodies. It's you know against your religion. It makes you ceremonially unclean for, I think, a week, or I'm not sure exactly how long. But it, it says he reached out and touched her. It says he entered the room. Um, let's see. Taking, verse 41, taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. She gets right up. She starts walking around the room. There's no rehab here. There's no, like, give me a few minutes to recover. She's immediately strengthened, walking around the room. And uh, he says these gorgeous words. She walks. They're, they're blown away. Again, notice the very strong words here. Immediately, verse 42, they're overcome with amazement. Well, well of course. <laughs> they're absolutely you know, flabbergasted, overcome. This is fantastic and amazing that this has happened. Uh, she, Talitha Kum, or uh, yeah, Talitha Kum, she walks, they're blown away. And then Jesus tells them that no one should know this. And I want to pause and think about that too. This is a theme in, in the book of Mark. Several times Jesus has said, you know, don't tell anybody, keep this secret, uh, I don't want everybody to know this. And I, uh, knowing that Jesus is fully God and fully man, I think this is a very interesting case study of of his humanness on the earth. Because see, as God, I believe he's fully sovereign over everything. And if he wants to keep something quiet, he doesn't need to work through the human beings involved with it. He could just keep it silent, you know, through his sovereign work. He's, he has all capability. He's the Lord of all hosts. Uh, but, but he chooses to work through human means uh, here's what I said about this. Jesus continues to attempt to control the flow of information by means of natural human means. He does not want to be overwhelmed with requests for help. Uh, he, and he takes, and here's the examples of this in this text. He, he takes only the three with him, Peter, James, and John, not, not the whole 12. And he puts out the mourners, all those witnesses, he puts them out. And then he strictly charges them that no one should know this. Uh, Jesus has all power, and he uses it in the best way possible. And this is God's design for how he wants to display his power. He's working through all these human possibilities. We always live in the environment of God's sovereignty, full-on sovereignty. He's decided beforehand, how everything comes out. Uh, but that's his realm. He knows all about that. We, we, it's not directed toward us. We, we don't like have to go find out how he sovereignly plans stuff so we can do, do that stuff. <laughs> no. 
We always live in the environment of God's full-on sovereignty, but it's in and through human possibility, human contingency. God works his sovereign, eternal plan through human you know, vicissitudes. Uh, he's working his plan that way. And it's, it's a marvel. It, it really helps us explain, again, the watercolor life we live in. You know, it's, it's unclear. We'd rather everything was like a, a great snapshot where it's, a, you know, exactly, you know, like, Monet, what are you doing over here? That looks like a city, maybe. There's the sunrise. These are fishermen, apparently, uh, uh, you know, in, and thanks for the stripes, too. That helps a lot. <laughs> but this is a good illustration of, of our view of life a lot of times. We, we don't have a good, clear snapshot of what God is doing. We're called to trust him, uh, to not fear, but to only believe that he has a perfect plan and he's working his plan in the perfect way that he has decided to work it. And he even works through the human influence and possibility around him. That's why he says, I, I want you to be involved with obeying me and keeping this a secret. Okay, let me summarize what I tried to say today. The summary. First of all, I started out by saying Jairus is a great example uh, to us fathers. We should be fathers who are compassionate, yes, strong, yes, firm, but loving and kind and remembering our children are but dust. And let's also remember this massive reality that we have a huge inequity of power. We're the powerful ones, they're the small fragile ones. And that it just invites abuse, right? But as a Christian man, we should keep that in our consciousness and not abuse children based on the power inequity or not abuse anybody based on the power inequity in the relationship. Let's acknowledge that and love our children through it. But also, huge importance in this passage is watch out all, all the delays in life and the unclearness, the watercolor uh, impressionism that is our view of what life is, all of that can just cause us to fear. I don't know where I'm going. Uh, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And the, the command of Jesus is, trust me. Trust me. I am the Lord God. Do not fear. Only believe. You know, wow, that's huge. That's something we grow into, only believe. Another way to say that is trust even in the impressionistic watercolor reality of our lives. We don't understand why things happen. We don't understand why he doesn't answer our prayer the way we'd like him to. But we trust him that he has a plan and he's working it in, in the best way possible. And of course, this text is about this. Jesus has all power, <laughs> and he uses it in the best way possible. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this great revelation of what it means to be a father in Jairus. Thank you, O oh Lord, that he was intent to bring his request before you. He prayed, 
He didn't give up hope even in popular opinion when he was told, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. He heard your word even then. And that's when you said, don't fear, only believe. Lord, may we hear that as well. We do look across the body of water we're rowing over and wonder where we're going. Uh, Lord, we, we know that you know. And guide us, we pray. Give us strength for this day. Lord, help us to trust you fully through it all. And draw us to Jesus as, as Jai was, was drawn to Jesus too. Amen.